Hi everyone, welcome to HubShot's episode 220. This is the all about inbound episode where we talk about the latest product announcements from Inbound 2020 for marketing, sales and service hub. We've got some tricky gotchas and we are celebrating our five year anniversary, Craig. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks and strategies for growing your sales, marketing and service results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found and with me is my excellent co-host Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I am so well and so excited. And look, before we go on, I do want to say, yeah, five years it was after Inbound. And I want to thank you for dragging me along. And I was reluctant, but I, I still remember sitting next to you in the main auditorium at Inbound 2015. And you were saying, we should do a podcast. I'm like, oh, I don't know. But yeah, five years have flown by, 220 episodes. It's been a ball. And so, yeah, thank you, Ian. And by the way, to listeners who are wondering whether they should start a podcast, but are reluctant to because they don't think they'll be good enough just go and listen back to our episode one it's still up there ian and i know people are still listening to it and i cringe when i do but we've come a long way uh so don't be discouraged you just got to start somewhere and enjoy the ride correct and like i said listeners previously it is a partnership here and craig i'm grateful because it takes the two of us you know there are days when we don't want to do something and we push each other so i encourage people <laughs> that's right to who are listening you know if you're doing something that is sometimes out of your comfort zone it's best to have a partner to take along for the ride and and we've become great friends over that time so thank you craig it's been excellent now, speaking of inbound, back to the inbound experience, you've actually been online because it's all been virtual this year, of course. I haven't actually, and you know my frustrations when I, I couldn't log on, I couldn't, there's something wrong with my registration, but you watched a, a bunch of them, and in particular, I was interested in your thoughts on the keynote with Brian Darmesh and Chris. Well, tell us your thoughts. So, firstly, uh, for those that have it, did attend, it was an interesting experience. They try to recreate the experience I guess if you'd been to Boston, they try to recreate that in a virtual environment, which is quite kind of interesting. You could choose your avatar, and for the fun of it, I thought oh, I'll try and find myself in the crowd on one of the first sessions with Moby, and I found myself because I was on very purpose. I wore orange shoes with orange glasses, and I wore shorts and a t-shirt where everyone else was dressed nicely. I think so. That was the giveaway. Okay, coming back to the keynote, which was one of the key things, I. You know, in previous years, we've always had something, I guess, funny and interesting with Brian and Damesh, you know. I've just loved watching, like, I look forward to their keynotes over, over the years. And this year was really different. It was a keynote that included Chris, who is the product manager, and they were at Fenway Park, which is where the Boston Red Sox play. And that's where they did the recording. So, it was obviously, it was all empty, but it was almost a bit serious and... You know, it's like kind of shuffled between them at Fenway Park and in the office, I think, and had Chris O'Donnell in there as well and kind of went through this journey of what's taken place and then went into the product stuff. So, it was interesting from that perspective, not as interesting as I thought, you know, like Brian and Damesh usually make a really big deal and do something interesting and I didn't get that feeling again. Anyway, I guess given the year that we've had, it's fantastic we've had had what we did. But, you know, if Brian and Damesh are listening, keep doing what you used to do. I think it just brings a little brightness and spark to our lives. Was it perhaps an appropriateness for the year? Possibly. Do you think they toned, toned it down just 
because it's a, it is a hard line to dance around, isn't it? You don't want to be too happy when hundreds of thousands of your fellow countrymen and people have died. It's a terrible year, and yet you want to be uplifting and positive, and it, it, it's a very hard balance to strike, isn't it? But in saying that, you know what, I think well done to everybody that had their finger in the pie to do with inbound. I take my hats off to you. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good feedback, and even in, in our WhatsApp channel, Dan jumping in saying it's like one of the best virtual events, well, the best virtual event he's been to because he's been to a ton of them, and uh, so I think that's really good. They've put in a, they've made it different, they've made it special, they've made it an experience, that's really good to hear. It looked like with all the speakers and all the sessions, they had it really well planned. They had a consistency about the slides. So after a while, I was like, oh, hang on, I've seen that slide. It just looks a bit different. So I think that was really nice, like just providing a consistency of visual messaging so that people knew that they were at inbound was really good. And, you know, like and even the, the, it was really short, sharp and punchy. So you got stuff you weren't, and I think they really understood it's online. People are doing stuff and keeping it really on par- on time and on on point was so good. Now I do have a listener shout out to Noam from New York. Thank you for connecting with us. We'd love to hear from you. We had a little chat over LinkedIn. So listeners, if you would, if you're listening and you haven't connected with Craig and myself, please do. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, speaking of connecting, if you were with us right from the start, uh, episode one, you've listened right through, can you send us a note, hit us up on LinkedIn or just reply to the email that you should be subscribed to? Oh, by the way, if you haven't already, subscribe to our weekly newsletter, which includes all the show notes plus a bunch of extra stuff. Uh, But yeah, let us know. You can just reply to that. Let us know and we'll give you a shout out on the show. It'd be great to know who's been with us all along the journey. I'm sure I could name a few, but we'll wait wait till next week. All right, Craig, on to our quick shots of the week. And we've got a whole bunch of announcements from Marketing Sales and Service Hub updates. And we'll go into some of them further down through the show. You actually put in this link to the product engineering team. They've got a blog, so we've got a link to it there. And apparently... Everything this year was a relaunch. Did you know that, Ian? It's powerful and easy in the new, newly relaunched, insert your favorite hubs. <laughs> Correct. And you don't need to that's, choose one. You can have them both, Craig. That's right. <laughs> All right. On to our marketing feature of the week. And this is about marketing contacts. So, listeners, if you're listening, marketing contacts is something new that's been introduced globally at HubSpot after Inbound 2020. I mean, I think it's a great move because that's where a lot of people got stuck. So, if you didn't know, when you were when you were buying a marketing hub, you paid on the per contact basis. So, even if you didn't utilize all the contacts for marketing, let's say you started with CRM, you still had to pay for to house all of those contacts. With new marketing contacts feature, what it means that you can have contacts markers non-marketing or marketing, and you only get charged for what is marketing related. And in the last four to six months, in Australia and New Zealand, we have been the guinea pigs to test this out. And it's been an interesting journey for Craig and myself as to the things we've come across on doing sign up, on switching people over, on understanding how we put people in and out of marketing contacts. And it's been a journey. And it's really great to see this being rolled out uh, globally. But 
I guess there are tools in the system to even work out, is it worthwhile switching? So that's one of the things. And if you're talking to HubSpot, they, they can do that for you. But I'd definitely take a look at this if, uh, if you're considering and you haven't moved across to marketing because of that reason. In my mind, this is the biggest announcement from Inbound. I know they're talking about attribution reporting and a bunch of other really cool things in Marketing Hub, but Marketing Contacts, I think, is the big change in their model. And as you said, you can have up to a million contacts in your HubSpot portal now, but only have maybe a thousand of them marked as marketing contacts. So you've got a, a million contacts in there, but only you're only paying for a thousand because they're the ones in your marketing, um, marked as marketing. Now, as you said, we were the guinea pigs down in ANZ and we've been hanging to talk about this, but even though we weren't even on, we weren't under NDA or anything, but we just felt it's, it wouldn't be fair to kind of talk about yes. it until it was actually available. So we're very excited. It is now available. There's a lot to learn about it. We've got a ton of information in the show notes, including the screen shot just from one of my clients actually which just shows you some of the new tools and how you um, can manage the billing put some initial thoughts i've answered a few quick questions because uh, of course the question people are going to ask is well what's it can i downgrade and mark contacts that are marked as contact can i mark them as non-marketing yes you can that's recalculated every month some gotchas but the very last item how to quickly get up to speed we've got a link to a knowledge base article which is a really good coverage of it. it's not really the one they link to publicly on the site but this is a partner knowledge base article it's publicly available though and it's got an awesome faqs section at the end of the page so just go and read that if you read that page you'll be across 90 percent of it we've had a few bugs though haven't we and have you we sure have craig <laughs> hubspot support must love us i think the majority of my my hubspot support queries over the last three to four months have all been about marketing contacts and also uh internal hubspot liaison should we say have had lots of fixing oh, ups yeah. to do we have been playing with this with in anger uh, shall we say but i think they've it's pretty stable now, wouldn't you say, Ian? Yes, I would say so, Craig. Now, listeners, if you're thinking, what does this all mean? And if you think marketing, the first thing that came to my mind, I'm going to email market to these people. Yes, that is a marketing contact. But the other marketing contact is if you plan on putting these people into a list and putting it into Facebook or Google or LinkedIn and you're marketing to them via ads, that is also considered a marketing contact. So, those are really the two key things that classifies them as marketing so just take a note of that because some people might go oh, i'm not going to do anything with that i'm just i'm just gonna run ads to them but no that's a marketing contact all right craig on to our hubspot sales feature of the week and i'm going to talk about a few things that have been rolled out at inbound some of them are already out some of them are still coming and the first and biggest thing was to do with custom objects and this is, so listeners, you might know there are objects like contacts, companies, deals, etc. in the system. Now you can make your own. So a really common example that they've used is like you might have an object that's a car, right? And the object car has different attributes like color, seats, what else? Engine size, or maybe it's electric. And so you can capture this and you can, and it also ties into reporting. So this is the big part. You can capture the data, you can make it valuable to your, to your business, but also you can report on it just like you report on any other objects within HubSpot. Yeah, look, I think this is, a, this is the big thing from the sales side. And full disclaimer, we haven't actually used it yet, so I don't actually have, have access to it. Yeah, we won't talk about it at length at this stage, but one of the best examples I saw in some of the training I was doing on it 
is they used real estate agents as an example and products or houses as an object, a custom object, which can have all the properties. Then they showed how that can be included in emails. So pulling properties from that custom object, a house object, here's the price, here's available. You could send emails to your your prospect or your customer list based on their postcodes or zip codes, things like that, and pull in details. So I thought that was a really good example. Uh, the sky's the limit now. This really opens up HubSpot to a lot of things. I know we've done stuff around using HubDB to try and kind of get a clunky way around this, but I think we'll be moving once we've got across custom objects, we'll be using that instead. But plenty to chat about in the coming weeks about this. Uh, the next one is attribution reporting. And I have a link to a lesson in there from the Academy about attribution reporting. And there was a great session at Inbound about this. So if you've if you attended Inbound and you didn't do it, have a look at it. I'd encourage you to go and uh, get to that session. It was by one of the Inbound professors or HubSpot professors, sorry. And it was really well done. And so I encourage you to do that. Next one is field level permissions. And this is where admins can lock down specific values so that only certain people can edit what they should. And that was, that was really interesting. What they should and not what they need to. So that's a really key thing. And the next thing, which is about to roll out, which we don't, well, it's not available publicly, is the new quoting template editor, which is the configure price quotes. So if you've been in enterprise land and you've been using a tool called CPQ, that is now coming to HubSpot in the enterprise version. So you can utilize that. And I've just put a great article on the HubSpot blog that will explain to you what that is. I am really looking forward to this one, Ian. After custom objects, this is going to be my next favorite feature. We're sending so many quotes from HubSpot these days. To be able to customize them, make them more like proposals, I think it's going to be excellent. And then the other thing they're talking about is integrations with, say, NetSuite, Zero, MYOB. So I'm really looking forward to doing not only the quoting, but then initiating invoicing and just syncing that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really coming together, isn't it? All right, listeners, on to our HubSpot service feature of the week. And a shout out to Charles. And I think this is something that he did and I picked up on one of our sessions. Hey, Charles, how you going? Now, there's one person who's been with us from the start. He has. There you go. Yeah. Big shout out to Charles. And this is to do with uh, customer satisfaction service surveys and doing a survey on your internal suppliers as well as your customers. So, one thing I picked up from one of our sessions was that he was uh, surveying, he was even surveying actually people within HubSpot and surveying suppliers in that journey that he he was taking his customers on just so he could understand how everybody was doing. And I thought that was a great tip. So, you know what, you could, you could almost send out staff surveys, couldn't you? You could, could that's the thing, it's internal, yeah. Totally. Yeah. How, how well do you like working here? Yeah. P.S. These surveys are not anonymous. Yeah. Here's another way to utilize the tools that we have to really make an impact. And listeners, if you didn't know the previous episode, 219, we talked about using this exact survey in the sales process to understand how sales was interacting with a customer on the initial touch. All right, Craig, now on to our HubSpot gotcha of the week. Oh my goodness, is this a good gotcha? And we've spoken about not this gotcha, but original source drill down to property changing. How I came across this, I was using this in a workflow for a customer of ours to basically take some certain actions. 
And what happened? It was good. It was working until they went and connected their Facebook page and then they started sinking leads, which happened to be, so it's a franchise business. I was looking after the franchise side of the business, the retail side connected the Facebook pages, and then they're running some Facebook ads that are run off somewhere else. Leads start flowing in, meet this criteria or shouldn't have met the criteria. And they were now getting triggered from the workflow, getting sent, you know, all of this stuff to do with franchising. Anyway. Hey, so just before we go on, just original source drill down. What is that? Let's just quickly explain to listeners if they're not familiar with that field. Well, there's three fields mainly, isn't there? Yeah. Drill down one might say Facebook. So, it might tell you what platform it was and original source drill down two will generally tell you probably the campaign or in this, the type of Facebook. So, I think it was an organic post or something. So, that's the data that gets captured. So, when I had done this workflow, it was actually meeting all the criteria and triggering off and I couldn't work out why. Anyway, here's a big sh- shout out to HubSpot support and- uh, The first of two big shout outs this episode. Correct. And this is a shout out to Rachel. Rachel, it was lovely speaking to you. And what we discovered that the analytics engine can potentially put a value, which if you look at the show notes, is a whole bunch of numbers before it actually updates to the right property value. So, the criteria was meaning was correct. And then it was going through this workflow. And so, what we had to do was put a delay in place to make sure that the property got updated in time. So, that was the solution. And we've put in the show notes the delay before we branch. So, we're checking checking the property and then we're branching and checking that it's the right property in the branch before we go and carry on the next steps. All right. So, can I just get a little bit techy and expand on this a bit? Because it took me a while to understand this gotcha. And when you explain it to me and then why, I I think it's really useful for for the techier people listening to understand. So, what I didn't realize, and now this highlights, is that there's certain properties on a contact record that come from different processing. So, a contact might be created from a form. Instantly, you get the form fields on the contact property. But then, so the contact property has been created and some of the fields. Now, some of the other fields and specifically analytics-related fields, such as the source where it's come from and some others, they kind of get processed off on a little secondary process. The form submit kicks it off. So you've got the contact record, bang, created straight away. But it might take a second or two for the analytics data to come in and get added to that contact record. Now, when the contact record's created, initially that property, original source drill down, to, it just gives it some random, you know, it's just it's just junk in there before it's filled. And then it comes in a late, later, a, a second or two. And that's why you've got the delay in the workflow. So, to, to allow that to be populated before you're testing against it. Now, I thought that was fascinating because there have been other instances, I'm sure, with workflows when it just didn't, something slipped through and you, you don't really know. Like in that few milliseconds between the form submit and it's triggering the workflow versus the analytics coming in, or sometimes the workflow might be running with. So, some of them that slipped through. And that's what you found. You were kind of like, why is it working for some and not others? And that's why um, learning this, and yeah, a shout out to, to Rachel, she's given you a really good answer, which we've put in the show notes, explaining that. The other one that I thought was interesting was like IP country or IP things, because that's an analytics piece really related to the contacts. So, that's another example of a field that might not get populated till a second or two 
after the contact records actually in the database and potentially have triggered a workflow by then. So these little gotchas, they come with experience, Ian. Even after, what, how many years have we been using HubSpot? Probably a decade now. These little things, we, we still learn these, these fascinating little gotchas around, around the product. That's right. So, listeners, if you want to see exactly everything, please go to the show notes and a shout out again to Rachel for helping me out. And listeners, how did, how did we figure this out? We, I'll just take a step back, Craig, and say we started looking at individual contacts and looking at the property and looking at the property history is how we worked out that this was happening. Now, it wasn't happening to everybody, but it was happening to a lot of them. And that's how we track back the issue. And here's our HubSpot support win of the week, Craig. Oh, yeah. It just keeps getting better with HubSpot support. This, when you showed me this, I was like, oh my goodness, this is such a a smart answer. And it came from a listener. A big shout out to Martin, by the way. Yes. Martin, all the way from uh, Austria. Austria. Yeah. And, yes. and we've put in the show notes his email, what he asked us. And it was really, uh, well, and you actually had a chat to him about it. Why don't you explain the, the scenario, what he was trying to solve? Listeners, what Martin was trying to solve was data was being synced from HubSpot marketing back into Microsoft Dynamics. When they synced the marketing qualified lead into Microsoft Dynamics, they needed to make sure that the IP country and the country code was in a particular format, right? And so I think there must be some processing happening or it's expecting this value when it gets transferred. So he was thinking, how? what's the best way to do it? The first way he thought of doing this was creating a workflow that looked at the property within HubSpot, which is the country code, and then filling it out based, given the data that you had, was doing a workflow to fill out these country codes. So that means you'd have a, a workflow with about, let's say, 170 to 270 branches, depending on the number of countries you want to cover. And I, to be honest, I looked and go, would the workflow actually handle that? Or is this a really bad use of a workflow? So we had a, we had a chat. We, our initial discussion was, you know, update everything you've currently got. If you wanted to do a bulk update was to extract the data, run it through Excel into another field, basically do a find and replace and then load it and load it to update the contact based on the contact ID. Moving forward was to actually have a, a new property that had a drop down that had those country codes already coded in so that when it was selected, it would then populate correctly. The next thing that, uh, so then after I did that, I thought I'm going to go find out. So I, ran, I had a chat with HubSpot support and that's when we came up with the new solution. And so a big shout out to Abigail. Thank you for helping us out. And um, Abigail suggested using combining two properties that were already in the system into a third third custom property to figure this out. So, so she did that and then I had to think about it and had a chat to Martin and it looked like a really good solution. Now, there is some caveats and that's why when we did the workflow, you will see we do, we actually do some checking and then some branching for that particular reason. Essentially, what we're doing is we're checking two HubSpot properties called IP country code and the IP country. So the code might be AU, for example, in Australia with the IP country being Australia. So it was expecting AU space Australia to go to be the field that was being transported. Now, in some 
cases, this property doesn't get set. So what we did was we created a workflow that checked the property. If it was set, then we went and in the workflow, we set a property based on the combination of the two. And if it wasn't, then we were creating a task to notify the contact owner to update it appropriately. So I love this solution. You know what's so good about it, Ian? It's because when I first saw the this note from Martin, I was like, oh, it could be a big if-else, if-then branch. I was like, my gut feeling is that there's a smarter, easier way to do this. And I didn't know what it was, but some part of me thought there, there must be an easier way to do this. When you showed this the solution that Abigail came up with, the reason it's such a good and simple solution is when you see it, you go, of course. <laughs> How did we not think of that ourselves? I love those solutions. It's so simple and elegant. She's put it in there. And yeah, well done, Abigail. I, I just love that. That's such a good solution. Workflows to the rescue as usual, Ian. Is there anything a workflow can't do? Very little for what I'm finding out, Craig. The only thing I'd like to see is calculated properties. I'd love to do that in a workflow where you could calculate them, not in terms of addition, but in terms of string manipulation. I'd love to be able to use string functions within workflows and then write them between properties. I did see in there today, you can execute code. What? Yeah. Have a look. Have a like, look. Hubble, like Hubble code? Yeah. There was, a, um, there was a place in there that said you can execute the code. So... Have what? a look. After, after we finish the show, we'll have a look. Oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Don't get distracted right now, Craig. All right. On to our marketing tip of the week, listeners. And this is, we've got two examples of email that's done well and another one that's done poorly. And our first tip here is... I don't like to make examples of companies in the show notes. So, we normally try to be positive, but here's an example. It's from the Australian tax office, right? So, <laughs> I'm happy to show them. I've got a, a, a screenshot. They send out their emails with three column formats in the emails. It's not responsive. So, on my phone, you can't read it. You're doing the pinch and terrible. It's just ridiculous. It actually doesn't look as bad in the show notes because I've got this giant screenshot I've made up. But if you can imagine on the phone, you can't read it. It's just ridiculous. So, as we always say now we always recommend single column emails don't do what the australian government does but in the email done right did you see this one this is from legal vision they just sent out a basically it's an email saying fill out this survey and i get how many how many emails do you get like this oh please fill out our survey and give us i get them from hubs or i get them from all the vendors all the time and i hardly ever do them the genius of this one is their subject line. They said, share your feedback about membership and we'll plant 50 trees. So there's a call to action around environmental impact. Very appropriate for Australia, given the bushfires and how 80% of our bush got destroyed at the start of this year. And basically within the email, they then say, by completing this short three-minute survey, we've got a screenshot, we'll plant 50 trees in conjunction with our partnership. Bang. I filled out that survey straight away. I couldn't wait to click it and feel the... The joy of 50 trees being planted just by giving my response to um, their product, um, you know, survey, which, of course, is very good. They're an excellent company and, and a good example of digital marketing done right as well. They're a very smart, savvy company. All right, listeners, on to our insight of the week. I just came back to this. We need to be reminded of the basics. And attending inbound and broadening our horizons is a good way to refocus and ground yourselves. And why I said that, because one thing that stood out to me, it was how important it is for us to understand our customers and what they are going through, be it be 
B2B, B2C. And I got reminded of Brian Halligan saying, we really need to think H2H, which is human to human. And in a crowded world where everything is fighting for our attention, if you can, if you can connect with others in a way that others don't, then I think you have the advantage. So I was just reminded with a lot of sessions I went to from account-based marketing to, you know, how to get your marketing working well, why, what to do when things aren't converting. It always came down to, do you understand your customer that you're marketing to? And do you understand what, where they're on that journey and what are the things that they need? And it was a lot to do with the experience of them, what they were using, how they were being treated, questions they were being asked, how they were asking the questions. And it just reminded me, we just go back, got to go back to basics. All right, Craig, our resource of the week. And this was an interesting article that we had, and it was to do with um, what drives attention and it's exploring the new front line of ad effectiveness. And this is from Google. And what does drive attention, Ian? You'll have to read the article, I'll have Craig. have to read the article. Thank you. There's a, link, there's a link to it in the show notes when you subscribe and you get it delivered to your inbox every week, Craig. All right, Craig, the quote of the week is yours. All right. This was from Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who, as you'll know, passed away this week as we record this, sadly. And what what a life. What an amazingly impactful life. Plenty to celebrate there. But in an interview, this was from the New York Times. Um, she was asked if she had any advice to share. And she said, yes, she'd been told by her mother-in-law, in every good marriage, it helps sometimes to be a little deaf. She goes on to explain, I've employed it as well in the workplace, including the Supreme Court. When a thoughtless or unkind word is spoken, best tune out. Reacting in anger or annoyance will not advance one's ability to persuade. So uh, rest in peace, Ruth, and thank you for your service and the advice. All right, Craig, on to our big shots of the week. Taronga TV. Nothing to do with marketing, but if you want to look at webcams of animals, um, tigers, lions, elephants, then that's Taronga TV right there. And listeners, if you don't know, Taronga Zoo is here in Sydney. And if you ever do come to Sydney, I would say go to the zoo because it's on the harbour and you get a magnificent view of the harbour across the city. And we're truly blessed to have such a nice zoo, I have to say. And Craig, this is the one I didn't know about. Facebook is removing the 20% text rule. And about time too. So but previously, as many advertisers would know, you couldn't have more than 20% text in ad images and they're scrapping that. I reckon it's just because they're sick of reviewing them all. And it, it, conventional wisdom, whenever you get uh, an ad on Facebook disapproved, is you just resubmit it and based on the reviewer, they'll... Chances are they'll approve it. And I reckon they just got sick of them. Oh, damn it. We'll allow them. So, excellent. All right. And finally? Oh, the GitHub handbook. Go and check that out. Their entire company handbook they've open sourced, including how they as a company with thousands of employees work in an all remote approach. So, yeah, that's uh, interesting reading. Well, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please follow us on the socials. Connect with us on LinkedIn and please send us a message to say that you listen to the show. We'd love to hear from you. Before you close, Ian, I just want to say two thank yous. Uh, firstly, to Chris uh, Mottram. We're recording this on yes. Thursday the 24th and he's staying up to edit it for us to go live in the morning. So thanks for doing that, Chris. And we're putting a lot of pressure on you, but we wanted to get this out after Inbound. Yeah. 
And thank you, Chris, for being our editor for the last five years. Yes, right from the start. There you go. Shout out to Chris right there. You can't, you can't escape us, can you? That's right. <laughs> so thanks, Chris. And the second thank you I want to say is to you, Ian, because I know you've been up all night attending Inbound. You must be totally smashed uh, and need a, need a good sleep. But uh, thanks for you know staying up and recording the show tonight. No, thank you, Craig. It is always a pleasure to do this with you. And listeners, is if you want to have dinner with us and if you're ever in Sydney or if we ever get to go back to Boston to have lobster rolls and chowder, we would love to, to meet with you. So until next time, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and marketing resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.